It's time to swing into the golf world of today. I don't think I've had this much fun on a golf show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart, sponsored by TaylorMade. Terrific voice, and you have enthusiasm. Now your host, the director of fun. Give me that guy all day, he's the best. Keith Stewart. Good afternoon and welcome to The Pro Show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. The ladies are over in South Korea for the BMW Ladies Championship. The men are down in South Carolina for the CJ Cup. In honor of upcoming Veterans Day, we have an amazing young man joining us named Garrett. And golf is exploding like the leaves on the trees. Isn't it amazing there, Mr. Wade Weezer? Very colorful. Yes. Did I mention win number 12? Well, I will. But first, the Chili Peppers. Can't stop And here we are on a fabulous fall Friday afternoon. The Pro Show is kicking off. Mr. Wade Weezer, how are you doing this week, my friend? I am Jack for the weekend. It's going to be nice weather-wise in the East Coast. I tell you what, I was pretty jacked up last weekend. I was away on a little golf trip with some couples. And um, right. funny, funny story about this song, right? We hear it every Friday afternoon at 3 p.m., Live here in the 9.20 a.m. studios, right? So we're walking through the Jacksonville airport, and this song is playing over the PA system. <laughs> and I'm walking with one of my buddies, and he says, he's like, is the show on here in Jacksonville? Right. I said, yeah, we're syndicated. <laughs> it's like Pavlov's dog now. <laughs> yes. hear you get messy. Yes. Something happens to your brain. Uh, good after. You know, I, I just broke right into it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of breaking right into it, we're breaking into the bank again. I know we weren't here last week, but the week before the PGA Tour in Vegas... Mr. Tom Kim, well, the train came into the station, and you know what it had? A Brinks truck on it. That's right, baby. Win number 12 for Read the Line was, uh, was a nice little entrance into a little getaway last weekend, that's for sure. Um, that's six wins now on the PGA Tour to go in, to coincide with our six wins on the LPGA Tour. Of course, we have a lot of action going again this weekend, but um, folks, if you don't read the line at this point, it's not my fault. But Lucky. We're, but yes, <laughs> no, it's not. It's not luck. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, people ask all the time. They're like, they're like, hey, what, what, how'd you come up with that? My, my famous line. I don't guess. It's, oh, that's right. Look at that. I don't guess. I like that line. Right. Speaking of guessing. Right. How's Halloween prep going in your house? Halloween is coming along. Oh, boy. OK. You know, there's another one of those out. <laughs> I know. I heard it's terrible. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, what, you know what's terrible? I can't tell the difference between Jamie Lee Curtis's face and Mike Myers face with the mask on. I mean, it's so bad anymore. It's ridiculous how bad it is. But um, which made me think of something. Right. Uh, you, your kids. Right. They yes. have Halloween costumes chosen yes. yet or what? <clears throat> this is like a big deal. You know? Yeah. She my daughter wants to be a witch. She's 11. So I figured that sounds cheap. Yeah. Yeah, like 70 something dollars later when she goes to one of those pop up stores. My daughter wants to be a flamingo with a bunch of her girlfriends. And I'm like, I go to I go to Lori. I was like, um, how do we stop this? Because I'm not sending her out looking like I think you're going to have to kill a real flamingo and get no, its, uh, its feathers. No, and it's stuff. not. The, no, it's not. I don't see any not, other way. You can it's not this. my problem. If there was a full body suit that was a flamingo, I'd be fine with it. But that's not what's going on. So if anyone's listening out there. God almighty. Anyway, um, speaking of listening, I can't wait to listen to our guest today. Uh, I got introduced to this guy this week by some of our friends over there at PGA of America, Garrett Harinko. Mm-hmm. Um, he served in Afghanistan. Uh, he was part of the quick reaction force with the 2nd Battalion of the 14th Infantry Regiment. Right? Wow. Okay. The real deal. 
And thank you, he, sir. He's now working for PGA Hope here in New Jersey and Central Jersey. He lives over in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Uh, a hero. And I can't wait to talk to him. He's got a tremendous story and I can't wait to share it with everybody. Uh, before we get to that, though, we got to do a little leaderboard love. Let's start with the ladies, of course, as they are 13 hours ahead of us because they are in South Korea for the BMW Ladies Championship. And after round two, which has been completed already since they're that far ahead of us, Andrea Lee. Uh, win number 11 at read the line right back in Portland. Uh, she's leading the way at 12 under par to uh, a pair of 66s. Nice playing uh, three tied at second place. Lilia Vu, uh, Ataya Didikul and Mensal Kim. Now, young Miss Kim is an amateur. She's tied for second place. She's two back at 10 under. She's a 16 year old amateur who just won the 2022 Korean Junior Golf Championship. And that's how she got an exemption into this event. Wow. And after the first day, she shot 64. She was one back of a thiathetical. And now she's two back of the leader after 36 holes. 16 that's, that's, years that's, old. That's, that's it's nuts. It's nuts. That's right. Something. It's a really, really cool story. Um, one of the things is after a seven week layoff, number one player in the world, Jin Young Ko. Um, she's DFL right now. So she had a little wrist injury and that's why she took a break. Oh, okay. but, but I think there's bigger concerns there. She might lose the number one spot in the uh, uh, world rankings, in the Rolex women's world rankings there. So something to follow along there. Um, speaking of somebody who would love to take her place, Lydia Ko in fifth at eight under, um, just having a fantastic, fantastic season. And speaking of fantastic seasons, let's get into the PGA Tour. And I got plenty to talk about when it comes to the PGA Tour today, but... Let's just start with the CJ Cup, which is kind of like the major, the big one of the fall. After round one, you have two tied at the top, Gary Woodland and Trey Mullinex. They shot six under 65 down there at Congaree. Um, five, let's see. No, six guys here tied for third. Uh, Aaron Wise, Wyndham Clark, Tom Kim, again, Rory McIlroy, Cam Davis, Kurt Kitayama, five under 65. Uh, a couple notables in the field there. Great, great field here. We got JT mm -hmm. tied for 15th, three under. John Rahm, two under. Uh, back there, tied 37th. You've got uh, Fitzpatrick, Sam Burns, Colin Morikawa there, at one under. And last week's winner, Mr. Keegan Bradley from here up in the Northeast, more Vermontish, but uh, still Northeast guide, St. John's alumni. Cool. Uh, he's at even along with the number one player in the world. They're tied for 44th. Now, the place that they're playing, Congaree, which is down there in the low country there, uh, just north of Savannah, off of 95 uh, in Ridgeland, South Carolina, um, was started by a couple of gentlemen out of Houston named Dan Friedkin and Bob McNair. Okay. And I think Bob McNair owns the Houston Texans and like, oh, okay. and like half of Houston or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> um, but they, they built this golf course with the help of the designer Tom Fazio, and it just opened in 2018. But the whole purpose of this place, the mission mind you, is the Congaree Foundation. Now, think of this as like the first tee, if you're familiar with this in golf. It's like the first tee on steroids. These guys built this place to bring in the world's best coaches, the world's best businessmen as members and have them. Then they have kids travel in, underprivileged kids, and they teach them. There's a school. There's a little schoolhouse there. And then there's also so they're using golf as a conduit to connect people to a network that will help them learn about business, public wow. speaking. Yeah, um, wow. So th this is like, w which is really the intent of the first T, but the resources that these two men have are pretty much unbelievable. And they've been trying to get the tour to come there. They did it last year um, with COVID. They couldn't go to Canada. 
So they jumped in real quick. We had the 2021 Pomato Championship held hosted there, um, won by Garrett Higo. Unbelievable golf course. We've got 78 players here this week. CJ Cup after round one, 43 under par. Tough, tough golf course. When you see it on TV, you're going to be like, man, look at this place. It looks so cool. It's got 130 acres of sand sprawled all over the green. It's just, oh, man, just a really, really cool story, I think. And it's one of those things where uh, I hope that the PGA Tour goes here more often because the design of the golf course is going to make the competition interesting similar to a major championship or or when we play really good golf courses on the pga tour like a riviera or something like that and then the second part of it is that whenever the pga tour goes somewhere the philanthropic kind of like oh i don't know they're getting a lot of money to the communities all right (laughs) (laughs) lost my train of thought there they're getting a lot of money to those communities a lot of people don't realize this but you know billions of dollars have been raised by the pga tour since its inception in all the different communities so they go to detroit and all of the money that they collect that week at the rocket mortgage goes into the community right it doesn't go into the pga tour i mean some of it goes into the pga tour coffers i'm not naive folks but but a big push on all of this is the charitable aspect of it. And one of the reasons that Congaree, they, they even petitioned for a President's Cup and everything. They want to get more events there because they want to use it in order to support their foundation along with the members that are there and the leaders of industry and the leaders in golf and executives from all over the world. So it's really kind of a cool institution that they've built down there. And then now to get the CJ Cup, which is definitely the biggest event of the fall. I think there's 17 guys in the top 30 in the world in the field, five in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, not guessing that's what the, that's what's there, but, um, so it, it's, it's kind of cool. And as it plays out this week, I mean, you got Rory, JT, John Rahm, all of these guys, um, you know, the ones that aren't in Saudi Arabia dancing around, uh, blasting champagne <laughs> bottles on one another, but you know, it, to me, it's kind of a cool thing. And I, I love the fact that we are supporting things like this and pushing it forward and, it really does explain how powerful a tool the game of golf can be when you connect communities with competitions and players and all that's going on in the world. And one of the things that's going on with the PGA Tour that I got to bring up to you because it just came up this week is that when I was down at the uh, Tour Championship and I was listening to Jay Monahan give the State of the Nation and he talked about how all the best players in the world are going to play for a certain number of events starting in 2023. And we're going to have all these like really, really good fields just for regular PGA tour events. Uh, they had nine events listed that were going to be quote unquote elevated that the guys that we all met with tiger in, in Delaware and tiger said, this is what we're going to do. Okay. Right. Um, so that's like, you, you're talking about the top 30 in the world. So a, a large majority of the guys that are here this week, right. Are all going to play in the players championship. They're going to open the year at the Century in Hawaii. They're going to play in the three FedEx Cup playoff events. They're going to play in Jack's event, the Memorial. They're going to play in the Genesis Tigers event in L.A. They're going to play in the Arnold Palmer Invitational down at Bay Hill in Orlando. And they're going to play in the match play. Well, there were still four more that they had to announce. And they did that this week. The PGA Tour did. And the list is it's fun there, Mr. Wade Weezer. We like fun lists. We love fun lists. And I, I think it's pretty cool that... The Travelers up in Connecticut for all that they've done for that tournament. That's Mm going to be an elevated event. So you're going to get your Rory's, your JT's folks. All the big names are going to these events. They're going to the Travelers. They're going to the Wells Fargo back down at Quail Hollow. They're going to the RBC Heritage in Hilton Head. And they're going to the WM Phoenix Open. Okay. 
the, the WM yeah. Phoenix Open is going to have That's pretty amazing. the 30 best players in the world in Scottsdale this year for what is already a total S show of a golf tournament. Okay. We're, we're headed to Arizona. And usually we're like fired up for like Joel Damon and Harry Higgs. I mean, like we're talking Rory McIlroy going against, and if Tiger, if he's healthy, right? JT, Jordan Spieth. Are we going all there? Of these people. Broadcasting live. Is that what you're saying? You're going to fly us there? Oh, slow your roll. All right. You never know. You never know. But I, we, we've broadcast from there before. Mm-hmm. Remember we had Johnny Gomes on well, uh, 2020. You broadcast from there before. <laughs> True. Well, you know, increase the budget. I, I sat here and pushed buttons. Yeah. Um, and you, you know what kills me about all this on social media? They're like, you know, you have your fills and everyone in the world. They're like, they're like, hey, they're like, well, the PGA Tour is finally getting better because of everything that we did with Liv. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, wait a second. Like slow your roll. All right. Fair enough. You know what? It's like it's like if I, if I go to Owen, my son, and I go, hey, go clean your room and he cleans his room and then he finds twenty dollars. Yes, I helped him out. All right. But really, he was the one that earned the 20 bucks, probably from mowing lawns or something like that. You know what I mean? It was there. and It was his. Right. So, yeah. OK, Phil. Great. We, we, like appre- we appreciate that you've enlightened us all. Um, you're smarter than everybody else. And again, you know, now you're, you know, well, we'll get more into him in a second. But you look at this, the, the, the WM Phoenix Open is going to have all these guys there in Scottsdale this year. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if you're aware of this there, Mr. Wade Weezer, but um, the Super Bowl this year. Right. Guess where it is. Arizona. Yes. Final answer. Yes. There you go. All right. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? Sunday, Scottsdale, Super Bowl Sunday mm-hmm. in Scottsdale with all of those guys, the WM Phoenix Open. We have to be there. Yep. We have to go. Mark it down. That's it. Mark, mark it, it down. Mark Super it right Bowl now. Super Bowl Sunday. We're Marking going. It down. And now we've got this schedule in place where we're going to see on back to back weeks. I mean, every, about once a month, we're going to get hit with these major major events with all these guys showing up we're going to start the year off right after july or july january 1st <laughs> we're going to start off with the century and the guys are going to be there then we're going to go about a month we're going to have the wmpo and we're going to have the genesis back to back and then a month later we're going to have the arnold palmer and then the players back to back and then a month after that we're going to have the masters and the heritage back to back and then two months after that we're going to have the u.s open and the travelers back to back and at the end of the year we get the playoffs and then let them all go home for four months. Who cares? You know, I mean, it's like what's going to happen with baseball in a couple of weeks. Yep. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is so cool and I'm so fired up about it. I, I just I mean, it's going to be so much fun. And then from a read the line perspective, I mean, the best players in the best fields all the time. What more would you want to wager on? You know, yes. I mean, I this week for me is so much fun to handicap or any major week or something where all the all the greatest players are showing up. The ones that you're familiar with. Well, the ones that everyone's familiar with and the ones that are emotionally attached to. Right. right. Not for nothing. I mean, I can get you emotionally attached to Trey Mullinex, who's leading after the first round or Gary Woodland, a former U.S. Open champion. Right. But at the end of the day, if you're winning money because Jordan Spieth won the tournament. Right. That's why I do what I do. And that's how we grow the game. That's right. And it's it's just the coolest thing in the world. And one of, one of the other things that's the coolest thing in the world, in my opinion, that's the New Jersey Golf Foundation. The charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section is positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. The Inspiration Golf Range, located on the Lions campus of the VA New Jersey Healthcare System in Bernard's Township, is the new home site of golf programs for youth, military veterans, and individuals with special needs. 
not to mention our guests today. Ooh. Open to the public, proceeds from the Inspiration Range will support foundation programs and events. To learn more, please visit njgolffoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Quarter past three here in New York, folks. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with a local veteran making a big difference through golf. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop chop, he says I'm going to win big. Choose not to life. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and Zubin Mahente. All NFL players get paid a lot. You're not going to get paid more than me, though, because I'm the guy when it comes to clearing it out. Y'all take care of me. Spoken like a true wide receiver. Way to go, Roscoe (laughs) Jenkins, team of me. His name is first on the show, so we get it. You know, we get it. Me, Sean, as they like to call me, for those that don't know me. But anyway. Deshaun, J. Will, and Zubin. Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio or streaming live on the ESPN app. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. The Inspiration Golf Range, located on the Lions campus of the VA New Jersey Healthcare System in Bernard's Township, is buzzing as the new home site for golf programs in support of youth, military veterans, and individuals with special needs. Led by PGA professionals, PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, is a weekly rehabilitative golf program for veterans that is changing and saving lives. Special Olympics New Jersey golf athletes will be training and competing at the Inspiration Range throughout the fall season, and a lineup of youth programs will also be on the schedule. The Inspiration Golf Range is open to the public and proceeds support the New Jersey Golf Foundation programming. To learn more about programs and special events, please visit njgolffoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Time to get back on course as the pro show continues. Great show and great questions. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You're listening to ESPN 920. You know, every week we share a story on this show. Get ready for this one. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow. Garrett Harinko is a veteran and a leader. He is changing the world while he changes himself. At the same time. Always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help Wade Weezer, way to set the mood this afternoon, my friend. I appreciate that. You're giving me the thumbs up. We have Garrett on the line. Garrett, welcome to the pro show on this fabulous fall Friday afternoon. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Keith. How about yourself? Oh, man, any better, I'd be twins. I'm here. I'm in the studio with my good man, Wade. I have you this afternoon. I I cannot wait to share your story with all of my listeners. And you know what? Let's just jump right into this. I heard you had a pretty amazing week last week um, down at Congressional of all places. Let's go there. What were you doing down at Congressional? So Congressional, um, by far the most immaculate course I think I've been to to date. Uh, I had the privilege of being invited down for the PGA Health and Wellness Week for their ambassador program through PGA Hope. And um, it was just a lot of different courses and a lot of golf and connecting with like-minded veterans. And um, it was kind of a culmination of, I suppose, leading up to everything we had accomplished individually through our six to eight week programs through PGA Hope and from 
various pieces, pardon me, that we had done. We, uh, the 20 of us were selected to be part of the 2022 ambassador class. Wow. All right. So there's only 20 of you that went, um, when you get that invite, what's the, what's the first thing running through your mind? Uh, what did I do to the, to deserve this? Um, it was, it was pretty surreal. And I say that because I had been out for the, um, PGA championship for the PGA hope secretary's cup. And, uh, up until then I had no idea that they would ever consider me for the ambassador program and to receive the email and the nomination and just how big everything was. It was, um, I, I don't even have words for it, to be honest with you. I did because I didn't know what to expect. And uh, it just turned into such a priceless time and uh, once in a lifetime, I should say. All right, Garrett, I'm going to need you to find the words because this is radio and we're not doing video today. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, yeah, you got it. Uh, stories. You got a story for me from last week? Something that, you know, it sounds to me that you, you have pause as you mentioned your experience while you were down there. So something had to impact you or something had to be said or someone that you met. Um, share something with me from last week. So I'd say the one person that stands out the most to me that I had met down there, now a fellow ambassador, Chris Cordova. Um, he was a gentleman who was in the Korangal back. It was one of the, I think, the deadliest battles in Afghanistan. And to be uh, sharing an experience like that with a gentleman like him, uh, the, he, the story he shared of his recovery, and um, I, I'm losing my words. I'm sorry. Pardon me. Uh, I guess it, the story would be that how much he had gone through and how humble and thankful he was to be a part of the HOPE program and how encouraging he was to, uh, pardon me, um, just, I, I suppose saying just, I was worthy to be there as well. Let's, let's go back to the beginning then. Let's talk about your story, which I know you'll be familiar with. Uh, you are a veteran and you were in Afghanistan. How did you get into the military? So I had gotten into the military. It's actually almost 10 years to the day. I enlisted through the delayed entry program at Fort Dix, New Jersey. My parents had signed the waiver. So leading up to graduation from high school in 2013, I was counting down the days. Two weeks later, I was in Fort Benning, Georgia, having the time of my life training to become an infantryman. And uh, by October of 2013, I graduated infantry school as an 11 Bravo infantryman. And then where do you go from there? Going from there, I shipped directly up to Fort Drum, New York. I was part of the 10th Mountain Division and I was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 14th Infantry Regiment. When we had trained about 18 months leading up to our deployment to Afghanistan, our mission, we were part of the Theater Reserve Force, and within that, uh, our battalion was the Quick Reaction Force. So we were tasked with responding to any and all events across the country within an hour's notice of the mission coming down. So it was a very high tempo 24 7 operation environment that uh was life-changing for me in more ways than one well so let's go if you don't mind let's go there for a second explain first of all explain to me some of that terminology pardon my ignorance but um you know when you start to talk about the regiment and the quick reaction force and everything you, you kind of mention it there but like so you're stationed over in afghanistan and then and then what happened you know, like how are you serving what what is happening 
so what was happening was our unit was dispersed. It was pretty geographically dispersed. We had a few of our guys still down in Kuwait, um, a few of the other companies between Kandahar. I was up in Bagram, and then throughout our deployment, we essentially got pushed out wherever they had needed us. Um, my role I guess you could say I was fortunate or unfortunate, depending on which infantryman you're talking to. The majority of my time, I was in our tactical operations center as a battalion radio telephone operator. I was the uh, battle RTO, as I was called. So it was up to me whenever our boys were going out, I was battle tracking them, making sure we knew their every move and coordinate, had a constant line of communication. And if anything had popped off, it was my responsibility to make sure dust off and our medics got to them in a, as quick as possible, if need be. So you serve over there. When do you come back? How long were you over there for? I was over there for nine months. Uh, so we had deployed from Fort Drum at the end of June of 2015, and we arrived home in March of 2016. So it was, it was a really funny time to be over there because we uh i had missed every big holiday that the united states loves to celebrate so i got over there just in time for fourth of july and then uh and by the time march rolled around i'd missed saint patty's day and all that stuff so it, it was nine months and i said i was fortunate that it was only nine months because i know when a lot of stuff had kicked off the majority of the boys or men and women they were doing anywhere from 12 to 18 month tours so i consider myself fortunate in that aspect that I wasn't downrange nearly as long as the typical deployment. Then you came back and, you know, I was doing my homework here and you did something extraordinary. But before I before I bring up that, what you did to raise money, um, you were raising money for a foundation called Mission 22. So I need you to explain to me what Mission 22 is. I, I couldn't figure all that out. So Mission 22 is a veteran nonprofit with the goal of providing support to veterans and their families to promote long-term wellness and sustainable growth. And um, any and all programs that they offer, much like PGA Hope, it's 100% free to the veteran. And uh, they say that once the soldiers or veterans come home, Mission 22's mission begins. And you took it upon yourself to support this foundation by, well, I'll, I'll let you explain it yourself, but when did you come up with the idea to raise money for Mission 22? Let's start there first. So the mission, pardon me, the idea actually came up about two weeks before I even went out for the bike trip. The planning and everything when I was in Afghanistan, it was for my own personal reasons of taking on a physical challenge like that. I had just finished running the Air Force Marathon in Afghanistan they, every year when we were over there, they'd offer a shadow run. So I ran 26.2 miles and was feeling great and figured, oh, riding across the country can't be that hard. Uh, so from there, started the planning. And then two weeks before I flew out to Oregon, so my trip was from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia, I had the honor and privilege of meeting Mr. Alex Gorski. He was then the CEO of Johnson & Johnson he had heard about my bike trip through whatever channels and he had invited me up to New Brunswick to his office to meet. Alex being a veteran and army ranger was incredibly excited to provide support for the trip. 
um, and with the help of Bonnie Holton and John Perez, they had set up a campaign within Johnson & Johnson to track my trip and really give me the moral support that I needed. All right, folks, now you're starting to get a sense for why Garrett Harinko is joining us this afternoon. Uh, a veteran and now an ambassador for PGA Hope, spreading the game of golf to veterans uh, in our region, but uh, also now as a national ambassador, uh, just an unbelievable guy. And this is a national story because he rode a bike from Oregon to Virginia in order to raise money for Mission 22. Um, okay, so we got to talk about this bike ride for a second. How did you choose where to start and where to finish? The, the initial planning, um, it was very organic. I was just choosing, oh, this road looks safe. I was doing a lot of the legwork trying to find uh, with Google Maps and satellite imagery. But I stumbled upon the uh, Adventure Cycling Association, and they had these pre-made maps for all these I guess thousands of trails across the United States. So I found the Trans Am Trail, uh, which they did in, originally in 1976 for the bike centennial, as they had coined it. So I knew choosing that path, one, it would be the longest one, but two, it would, in a sense, be the safest and offer the most resources. And from there, I just kind of plotted out, okay, I'll cycle this many miles per day to make it to this next checkpoint. And, um, set up a timeline where I wanted to finish within 60 days for the bike trip. It ended up taking 65 because uh, I took a few rest days, as you could imagine, and was able to average just about 75 miles per day on the bike. Garrett, a couple rest days? Come on, man. I mean, seriously, are you kidding me? 75 miles a day for 65, well, not 65 straight days, but over over the course of 65 days? That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um. What what was the support like along the way? I mean, because you know this is this wasn't a national story to 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 my knowledge, right? So like as you're going along, do are are people because you're only going 75 miles in a day, so you, you're in the same kind of region for a couple of days in a row, right? Um, you know, did did you, did you start to gain momentum and support as you were going across the country? I did. So it's funny. I um I was so against just broadcasting the mission i felt it was i mean my own selfish ways i felt it was it was doing it for me initially and uh part of why i wanted to keep it more intimate was that it forced me to be open and outgoing getting into a new town people see this kid showing up on a bike uh i remember going through idaho through a town of 13 people um so it was uh for me just it, it forced me to open up a lot more explain the mission and uh I mean, I really made friends for a lifetime through that. There was a newspaper in Kansas, I think Newton, Kansas it was, that covered the story a little bit, but we really didn't broadcast it too much uh, apart from that. This is unbelievable. All right. So as you go along, now I have a logistics question. Are you wearing a backpack or something or somebody driving along with you with equipment and such that, you know, to keep you going? Yeah, I wish I had a sag wagon. Uh, if I do it again, I'll do that. But I had executed the trip. It was 100% solo and unsupported. So I had a backpack, uh, obviously water bottles, a credit card, some clothes, and it was doing hotels, motels, or uh, Airbnbs that um, helped for staying. Didn't have to worry too much about having a hot shower every night or a nice hot meal. 
Um, so it was really, it was all me. I, I'm proud to say that. And it was, again, the moral support that I had received from my family at J&J, as well as all my family and friends at home that were tracking the trip day by day. How much money did you raise? That's a really good question. I, um, I didn't keep total track of it. So the way it had happened, I felt weird asking people for donations. So what I, I kind of put a little twist on it where I, if I'm in a restaurant or a bar, I'm approaching these people, explaining what I'm doing. And I was actually, I can't tell you how many dinners I paid for on this trip, but the trade-off was that they went on to Mission 22's website and either bought a t-shirt or made a donation comparable to what their dinner bill would have been. Um, so if I had to guess, I don't know, at, at least $10,000. Um, and that's just a, a, a pretty conservative estimate. All right. Well, you may, you may feel awkward asking for money or whatever, but that I can do this right for you. So folks, if you're listening, is there a way to still donate? Please tell me that there is, they can go to mission 22 and they can donate on behalf of your, your bicycle ride. They can't, so I don't know, because the bicycle ride was so long ago, I honestly don't know what would uh, pop up through that, but they can feel free to go to Mission 22's website, and it'll be very easy. They'll find a donate button very quickly or if they want to buy any merchandise, too. Um, they don't even have to say it's affiliated with Garrett Harenko. Uh, just anything that goes towards the mission, that's all we need. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, if you're listening and you're moved by this story, I'm telling you, get the Mission 22 and take a moment and throw $25, $30 their way. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's supporting our veterans. It's like Folds of Honor. It's it's the right thing to do. And, and as, with Veterans Day coming up, uh, I couldn't think of a better way to, you know, to take a little extra money and, and support those that support all of us. I mean, uh, yeah, I tell you. Uh, Garrett, you truly have a servant's heart, and uh, I'm going to call upon that for a second because we got to take a quick break for our sponsors, so I need you to be a little patient, and uh, we'll be back in a second. Uh, can you hold tight for me, my friend? Yes, sir. All right. Up next, more with Hope's hero, Garrett Harinko. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. If you ever need a friend, Greenberg is Greeny. Chris Paul is one of those guys whose numbers, if you look at them, are so good that they almost seem made up. You know, he was never on the best team all those years in New Orleans, wasn't able to go to the Lakers, winds up on the Clippers. Then they fell short. But now here he is, the veteran presence on this otherwise very young Phoenix team. It would mean everything to his legacy. Greeny with Mike Greenberg. Weekday mornings at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And watch exclusively on ESPN+. Plus. Is there a better feeling than winning a bet? Take it from a professional, a PGA professional like Keith Stewart. When it comes to wagering on golf, you need to know more than analytics. Stats are just a description of a player's habits. But what causes those habits to repeat? There are other elements you need to consider to raise your betting acumen. If you're the type of person who loves to learn and earn by wagering, then you must read the line. With an easy-to-understand newsletter format, in five minutes a week, you can bet with confidence, knowing the picks are made by a golf professional. Golf betting lacks an expert voice. Read the Line brings over 25 years of experience in the golf industry to every prediction. Players are not an exact science, and neither is betting. But when you consider the human element of the game alongside facts and figures, you'll be able to elevate your winning reputation. Go to ReadTheLine.com to subscribe, read, and win. 
That's readtheline.com. You got a great voice for radio. Time to get back on course. Face for radio. I, I get a lot of that too. As the pro show continues, once again, Keith Stewart. It's the pro show, and I'm Keith Stewart. Welcome back to our conversation with Garrett Harenko. You know you're listening to New Jersey's ESPN 920. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. <laughs> you're too much. To All right, watch what you say on this show. Well played there, Mr. Wade Weezer. We always have fun here on the pro show in the afternoon there, Mr. Garrett Harenko. Welcome back for the back nine of your conversation. So let's keep going with this conversation for a second. You get done riding your bicycle across the uh, the entire country. You raise money for Mission 22. How do you get involved with PGA Hope then? PGA Hope uh, really came about organically. I um, After my bike ride, I was feeling very lost and uh, I'd done all these great things. And it just, in a greedy way, it wasn't enough. Um, I came across PGA Hope through a a handful of people when I started working at TPC Yasna Polana, uh, just in Princeton. I know your backyard. Sure. And, yes. um, they, uh, they having zero experience working at a golf course, Brian Purcell was very kind to give me the opportunity. And one of his employee play days that he had set up for us, he made sure I'd met a gentleman named Jim Sogi, who's very well connected in the veteran golf world. And uh, they had mentioned a couple of the clinics and I finally got up to one. And from there I was hooked. Where did you go to the clinic? The clinic uh, initially started at Fiddler's Elbow. Oh, sure. Okay. New Jersey. Um, And since then they've been able to expand to the Inspiration Golf Range, which is at the VA in Lyons, New Jersey. Um, I believe they have weekly ones. Peach Defanchek at Hawk Point offers them every Tuesday from four to five and Soldier Hill and a couple other ones that kind of vary throughout the weeks as the season kind of comes to its close. I'm curious, what was your first impression of PGA Hope's program when you went to your first class? The first impression I had asked myself, why didn't I come to one of these sooner or why didn't I just Google uh, veterans golf or anything of that sort? It really got me back to uh, feeling like I belong somewhere. I mean, the camaraderie that was shared amongst all these different generations of veterans, it it felt good to be a part of something again. And um, I realized very quickly that this could help fill the new void that I had in my life. Did you play golf before you served or was, was golf just a totally new thing? I played a little golf growing up uh, with my pop-up down in Florida. And as I was making my way through high school into the Army, I had completely lost touch with the game up until I was in Arizona for some Army training. These uh, This three group of guys, they needed a fourth, and they had heard I knew about the game. At least I knew enough of the etiquette to not slow them down. And they were kind enough to welcome me in. This was in the beginning of 2019. So when I had gotten home, I had completely caught the golf bug. Uh, and that, that was basically that. Why do you feel like, you know, I've had a couple of veterans on and PJ hope ambassadors, uh, over the years here on the pro show. And why do you feel, why do you personally feel there's such a connection between the military veterans and the game of golf? 
I think the connection that could be made um, is, for me, it's the level of therapy and belonging and the sense of self that you can regain. Um, I, it's a lot of veterans and stuff that I know. The connection is more so most people, they associate golf with just this boring kind of sport, sport. I know a few people who still don't want to call it a sport, um, but it just it helps you kind of get in touch with yourself emotionally. Uh, I'm struggling to come up with the good words right now, Keith. I'm so sorry. Well, no, I mean, trust me, um, golf is a game. I mean, I'm a PGA professional. I've been for a very, very, very long time. And uh, I've gone through all different um, uh, introspections about what golf means to me. And I could tell you, it, it definitely will teach you about yourself. And it it connects in different ways to different people, which is why I asked that question. Because now you've become a national ambassador for PGA Hope. And it must be because you exude some kind of passion or enjoyment or the words that you have in order to, you know, broadcast this wonderful program that has made such an impact across the country. So when you go and just on a normal day to day basis and someone asks you, you know, about PGA Hope, what's the first thing that you say? What 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 do you tell them? I tell them, honestly, they won't regret it, uh, but mainly the quote I've been using a little bit is the only thing PGA Hope will cost you is your time, but I promise what you can take out of it is priceless. Um, there's whether or not you have your interest in the game, I promise you it's going to spark an interest very quickly. And, um, you know, that first time you make contact and have a nice crisp or flush iron shot, that's what keeps you coming back. But mainly when you're just staring at that little white ball or yellow ball, whatever it is, you're not thinking about anything else in life except how hard or how far you're going to hit that ball. And it's just a nice little moment where you can disconnect from everything in your life. And whether or not you're out on the course, you're hitting it 80 times or 120 times, you know, that 80 to 120 moments where you are just for me in a Zen mode where you can just push everything aside, all your worries and just be focused on that. And it's a really, for me, it, it's a great feeling. And I hope a lot more people can get that opportunity too. Well, now I want to combine your experience last week down at congressional with, you know, where this is going in the future. And I just, you know, what did you learn last week or what was impressed upon you last week that you can bring back to uh, the Inspiration Golf Range uh, for the New Jersey Golf Foundation and their PGA Hope programs? You know, what did you learn last week and, and what's inspired you to try to advance our local PGA Hope programs? So what I learned from being at Congressional is all the new ways that I can help veterans and individuals who are struggling, whether it be emotionally or physically. Um, and what I'm hoping to bring back to the Inspiration Golf Range is my story to tell of the wonderful experience I had at Congressional and hopefully to encourage more PGA Hope graduates to take on, I suppose, a little more responsibility, volunteer work to help build out the program. So that way we can expand it to beyond just these three or four we have now. So any veteran across the state will not have to drive more than, say, 15, 20 minutes to get to a weekly Hope Clinic. 
Now, there's a lot of PGA professionals and PGA Hope ambassadors and, and volunteers that listen to the show on a weekly basis. And is the, did they give you any best practices while you were down there to try to encourage or how to how to reach out into the community? You know, did they talk about how we could get more veterans involved um, in each of these programs? They did. And the biggest thing right now is honestly just getting the name of PGA Hope out there. I cannot tell you how many PGA professionals I've met that have never heard of PGA Hope and they're in the golf industry. So really the the biggest goal right now is creating a bigger presence online, whether it be through social media or face-to-face getting out to various clinics. Um, But that's the biggest thing we want to do right now is just make it known to veterans that there's a program like this that exists and it's 100% free and it will be one of the best decisions that I'd say you can make if you want to have fun or find that emotional or mental well-being that you've been seeking for however long it may have been. Any veteran that's listening to this here in the Central Jersey area, uh, how do they get involved with the PJ Hope program that's going on up there at the Inspiration Range? So the easiest way, if they find the PGA Hope Facebook page, they have a direct link to their uh, sign-up page on pgareach.org, and you can submit your information and choose the section that you'd like to join. And a gentleman named Bryce Walker will be in touch with you within the week, if not less. Uh, Apart from that, they can go to pgareach.org or just type in PGA Hope New Jersey Golf Foundation on Google, and that will provide them with a slew of more information as well. Well, that sounds easy enough. And, you know, I've taken you through a number of tough questions this afternoon, and I appreciate that. But before I let you go, there's a little tradition that we do here on the pro show that my listeners love to get to know my guests on a little bit more of an intimate level. And we're going to have some fun if you're up for it and do a little rapid fire Q&A. Can you join me? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here we go. Name a place you would love to visit on your bucket list. Oh, Bandon Dunes in Oregon. Ooh, all right. Can I go too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll fill up the group if Wade wants to come. Have him bring him forth. He, he appreciates that. Done and done. All right, last person to text you. Oh, okay. Uh, my wife. I have her saved in my phone as ball and chain. Oh, she put man. That in, not me. She put that in, not me. Oh, oh. Oh, man, you are. This is why we do this. Okay. On a scale of one to 10, rate your driving. Oh, uh, six and a half. All right. Well, I, I guess you, you, you could keep the car on the road. Okay. Um, yeah. Bungee jump, skydive, or neither? Skydive. Favorite concert you ever went to? Uh, Blink 182. It was, um, yeah, Blink-182, pardon me. Describe PGA Hope in one word. Priceless. What actor would play you if we made a movie about your life? <laughs> um, Tom Cruise. Good man. There you go. Shoot for the top. All right. Most used app on your phone. Oh, uh, probably right now my uh, USGA gin app, to be honest. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, most people say, you know, messages or something or Twitter, but 
I like that. That means you're playing some golf. Uh, one more for you. When you see an American flag, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Oh, pride. Well, you know what? I know this interview cost you a little time this afternoon there, Mr. Garrett Haranko, but it has been priceless for my audience. I can't thank you enough for spending the time on the pro show. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Keith. Everybody, you know, we're fast approaching 4 p.m. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. We're coming back to wrap up today's show with, of course, the weekly update. The Max Kellerman Show. You know, there was no one there like, hey, where's that guy we just hired? He just stopped showing up suddenly 15 years ago. So you got to wait. It's 650 G's. And now he's being sued. I don't know. I, you can't just not show up for work. But, but if he's not, like, doing anything fraudulent and they're just sending him the checks, I mean, why wouldn't he just deposit it in his account? The Max Kellerman Show. Weekdays at 2 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Watch exclusively on ESPN+. The Stick and Act Challenge app is available now for iOS. Now, the Challenge app is like no other golf game out there. It takes the focus off of your final score and instead turns you around into a collection of challenges, objectives, and accomplishments. With more than 90 unique challenges to choose from, you'll never have the same experience twice. And if that's not enough, you can also challenge friends or strangers to see who comes out on top. Plus, with an XP system that rewards your successes, you'll be motivated to keep pushing yourself further. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out with the game, the Stick and Act Challenge app is the perfect way to add some extra fun to your golf game. Get ready for the back nine. As the pro show continues, once again, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to the pro show on ESPN 920. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know what? I'll post that podcast tonight when I get a chance up there on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, etc. You can follow me on social media at KJ Stewart PGA. But I tell you, the place to go is the Read the Line TikTok channel. So much fun we're having there. You want to have some fun on a Friday afternoon? Stream us anywhere you go. 920ESPNNewJersey.com. Just hit that Listen Now button. And of course, if you want to read the line, go to ReadTheLine.com. This world keeps spinning with each new day. I can feel a change well, I'll tell you, good song choice here. I love it. A little Jack Johnson on a Friday afternoon. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, his world was upside down. And uh, I'm, it's amazing how he, he's turned it around in order to be such a wonderful ambassador for PGA Hope and what he's doing and connecting veterans with golf and everything. It's just it's just fantastic. Absolutely. You know? Some story. And I tell you what, when those guys go to those Hope clinics, they should be used to, to tailor-made stealth. Is what I think. I think you're turning this into a, a live read. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because, you know, for years, golfers have inspired TaylorMade to make a lot of great drivers. But as we know, all eventually reach their limit. TaylorMade has been hard at work making the next generation of drivers. And, of course, where titanium ends, carbon begins. I've been using the carbon wood stealth driver all season. And if you haven't tried it yet, I mean, it even works in Florida. Last week, it worked great. Unbelievable. Right there. Uh, Hammock Beach Resort. Fantastic. <laughs> so if you want to get yourself out there past your playing competitors, mm-hmm. go to TaylorMadeGolf.com. Well, this is not going to be a, a surprise to anyone, but there's no Sergio in team. <gasps> 
Sergio Garcia claims that he has allowed his DP World Tour membership to lapse and made himself ineligible for the Ryder Cup to ensure that his presence at next year's match in Rome does not hamper the chances of his beloved Europe team. I obviously would love to keep being a part of this, but when I see that so many people are against me playing, well, if the team is better without me, I'd rather be out of it. Garcia told Sports Illustrated. Unfortunately, it doesn't feel like I'm very welcome on that tour, so I don't want to be a bother to anyone there at all. You want some oh. cheese with that wine? Yeah. <laughs> There's obviously uh, several guys who feel very strongly about this, and uh, obviously it's sad for me, but that's the way they want it, and I'm just helping out. Well, Boy, I tell you. you guys sure do complain a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You remember when last one? Yeah, Gar- Garcia is a stand-up guy. Remember last month when he was fined for withdrawing from last month's BMW PM- PGA Championship after a first-round 76, and they had the delay because of the Queen's passing, right? And uh, 48 hours later, he was at the Texas sidelines with Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> That's you know, right. hook him horns. There you go. Yes, Sergio, always thinking of others. I can't think of a better role model for my kids. Maybe Terrell Owens. I don't know. Oh, yeah, age is just a number. Fred Couples beat his age to shoot a 1,200 par 60 and win for the first time in five years on the PGA Tour champions this past weekend. The 63-year-old former world number one and 1992 Masters champion closed his front nine with five consecutive birdies. Not to be outdone, he closed his back nine with seven consecutive birdies, making 12 birdies in all and six pars for the 60, the 1,200 par score. He described it as the best round he'd ever played after sealing his 14th title on the PGA Tour champions. He said, I hit a few loose shots, you know, got away with them, but then I made so many putts, you know. I don't know what other rounds I've ever shot on the Champions Tour that are close to 60, so this would probably be my best round and lowest score by far. You know what? This really is the best day ever. (laughs) I mean, could you imagine just shooting your age when you're 63, (laughs) let alone beating it by three, right? It's unbelievable. I mean, Freddie's made it look easy for decades. Yeah, it's uh, this is pretty much I I think just icing on the cake. Yeah, that's something. No, no doubt that about is something. it. Something. Oh, Wade, let's play some pickleball. I, you know what I like? One is green and bumpy, <laughs> and the other is a pickle. <laughs> pickleball is all the rage these days. As Tom Brady and LeBron James buy up some professional teams in a sport much of the country is still learning about. Stopping just short of those major investments for now, at least PGA Tour players are getting involved. Hmm. Dallas sports legends Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler took their turn with the pickleball rackets Thursday night at a celebrity pro-am in Frisco, Texas. And as it turns out, unsurprisingly, they're quite good and rather competitive. The two Masters champions began their night as teammates facing off against basketball legend Dirk Nowitzki and tennis star John Isner, both of whom stretch at least six feet, ten inches tall. Could you imagine? Those pickleball (laughs) courts aren't that big. Imagine playing. That would be like facing an octopus or something. I don't know. Spieth struggled at the start, but really got the hang of things. And as the night wore on, focusing on straightforward returns and spinny drop shots, uh, the crafty kid... and golfer, uh, just he, he seemed to get the hang the hang of things. Uh, Scheffler has been playing for a few months and is already terrific. Broadcaster Dave Fleming stated, uh, "Scheffler's wife Meredith has confirmed that the world number one can obsess over new activities or games. Earlier this summer, it was pool volleyball, and now it's pickleball. Uh, it's good to see he's not straining himself off the golf no, course. No, yeah, you know? not too far. Uh, you know, they say people people say pickleball is everywhere these days. I guess they are right." I can't, I can't imagine Jordan being a great pickleball partner no, to stand next to without no. earplugs. <laughs> yap, 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 yap all the time. 
Not to mention the fact Michael Greller is probably standing there next to him, too. You know, sure, Jordan, hit that shot. Yeah. Uh, I'll just build my own. One looming aspect of the Live Golf versus PGA Tour debate all summer long involved uh, not these upstart events taking place in London or Portland or Chicago, but rather the oldest events in the game, the major championships. Oh, yes. A lot of controversy here. It's an assertion that has been made in court by Live, but only rumored to exist in reality reality keyword here <laughs> the usga did not ban the live golfers the rna did not ban the live golfers and then they're talking about would the masters ban the golfers well the discussion simmered because the majors have passed and we don't have another one for five months but this week there was a feature in the new yorker all right mm-hmm. and the there was a sense that how live golf thinks it would respond if its players are somehow banned in the future and uh, this was the quote for now the majors are siding with the tour and I don't know why. Mahad Al Saror, the head of the Saudi Golf Foundation and managing director for Live Golf, told reporter Zach Helfand, "If the majors decide not to have our players play, I will celebrate. I will create my own majors for my players." Oh, okay. just build it himself. Yes, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> back in the real world, Wade, this perception of the golf <laughs> landscape and uh, his players—you know—he talks about his players. I love that. Um, they really make you wonder what the end goal is with this tour. Now, this was a story earlier in the week. This just in today. Um, we've had a word from Mahed Al-Saror. Okay. And I had a casual conversation with the New Yorker reporter at Liv's Boston event a few weeks ago, during which I expressed my frustration at the unfortunate blackballing of Liv golf players by the PGA Tour. When it comes to the major tournaments that stand alone and are independent of Liv, I have the utmost respect for the majors. The majors are about history, heritage, true competition, and honor. The story wrongfully expressed and misrepresented my views. Yada, yada, yada. Yes. Okay. How's that going? <laughs> How's that going? We, we almost went a whole show without a live story. <laughs> almost. I, I couldn't help myself with <laughs> that one. Literally have two minutes left in the show. Do you know how, do you know, do you know how many years they've tried to make the Players' Championship, you know, the fifth major? And this guy, he's just gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna build one. You can build, hear it. He's building he's gonna, his own real. He's gonna, yeah. he's gonna build one or two. He's of got them. the construction yep. going on. Good luck there, my head. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, um, don't you have homes? Cutter is nearing its own population in World Cup ticket sales. You know, I love a little pop culture there, my mm, friend. All sure, right, sure, sure. The host nation. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the World Cup is coming up for soccer. Starts in November. Oh, and it's an own goal. Oh. Yeah, no, it's not an own goal. But yes, and since it's happening in Qatar, um, a lot of people think it's Qatar, it's Qatar. Um, or maybe it is. I don't know. Anyway, strike that, reverse it, do whatever you want. Um, it, it's so hot there in the summertime that they're doing it in November. They're doing it November through December. So it's going to lead us right through the holidays. Another reason to drink at night watching soccer <laughs> or during the day, really, because it's in Qatar or whatever time it's on. Um, anyway, the uh, their population, which is roughly three million as of October 14th, uh, they have sold two point nine million tickets. And uh, they, they're around just 7% of total stadium capacity remains unsold for the 32-team, 64-game tournament. Additional tickets will be released before the tournament kicks off on November 20th. Um, Cutter officials said that between 1.5 one to 1. 1.7 million people have applied and gotten tickets and have access to the country and visas and all of this stuff. Now, the demand for housing is so great that landlords are pushing their renters out. One foreign resident said that she was given two weeks to leave her apartment and move to a hotel and then to a temporary apartment. Similar apartments might be typically rent for $2,500 a month, but are going for $1,700 a night with a minimum 14 nights stay. 
Uh, it sounds like that's all going well. Yeah. Um, maybe they should talk to Mahed Al Soror and he'll just he'll just build them some homes in a month. And that's your pro show update for the weekending October twenty first, two thousand and twenty two. Thanks to TaylorMade Golf, New Jersey Golf Foundation. Of course, thanks to my man, Mr. Wade Weezer. Most importantly, you know I love my listeners. So before I go, I'm going to leave you all with one brief thought about details. Mosquitoes carry malaria. Always remember, it is the little things in life that will kill you. I'm your host, Keith Stewart, and this is The Pro Show. Thanks for joining us for today's show. The Pro Show with Keith Stewart returns to the team next Friday at 3 on ESPN 920.